Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about um, the Yoko Factor <laughs> and Warzone. Yeah. But how's your week going? You're traveling it's around good. this week. Yeah, I'm in Boston this week. Um, we're in the same time zone for once. I know. It's actually kind of very flexible in a way that it's not usually. <laughs> Um, that's really nice. Um, but yeah, no, um, I've been hanging out on the East Coast and saw a little baseball, been eating a lot of delicious things. It's mm. overall been really good. And I took the day off tomorrow, so... Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, I my week is basically over and I cannot be more excited. So, mm. how about you? My week's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing notable. I'm excited for the weekend. Well, you're traveling this weekend. I'm traveling this weekend. You make so it sound to, like you're the, I'm the only one on a plane. <laughs> it's true. I know. I have to pack when we're done recording. I am also a notoriously, like, slow packer, <laughs> even though we're only going for a weekend. So, like, you'd think I'd be able to get it together, but um, you You, knows? like, just told me you had to pack, and I was like, oh, we should have done this, like, two hours ago. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same. If we had, record, if we had kept pushing back the recording, I would have just actually started packing. <laughs> <laughs> I did do some pre-packing, so I'm hopefully it'll go fast. That's good. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to take a trip, but I'm just more excited for the, it to be the weekend. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm really in a working for the weekend kind of groove lately. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys leaving tomorrow? Yeah, okay. tomorrow after work. Yeah. I am taking a food holiday tomorrow, so mm. I, I don't know yet what I'm going to do for breakfast. I might head into Cambridge and go to this cafe that I've been wanting to go to. Okay. But it's kind of far from, like, everything. Yeah. So maybe not. But then Claire and I are going to go eat a bunch of food from food trucks at lunch. Okay. And then That's fun. we're going to come back, and I'm going to take her dog for a run. <laughs> <laughs> and then so that I can then eat dinner. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we're going to make a cake. Okay. So that we can wake up at 5 a.m. and watch the royal wedding. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, my God. I didn't even know that was happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know it's happening generally, but I didn't know when. Well, I think we both enjoy a really fun event, so we're going to wake up and um, make Wear donuts. Wear tiaras. Mm-hmm. We... No, I did briefly <laughs> toy with the idea of, like, buying fascinators to wear. Okay. But that I would be fun. Yeah. No, we're going to make, like donuts and then we're gonna eat some cake and we're gonna do like a bacon egg and cheese board mm, that sounds <laughs> and good. maybe some champagne I don't know so it's gonna be a early morning but it'll be fun <laughs> yeah I did not watch the last royal wedding because I was in California and yeah it started at 2 a.m so I see yeah I take it you're not watching no <laughs> it doesn't sound like it I mean no, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to. I'll look at a picture or two. All right. Well, let's talk about yeah, our, Buffy. our Buffy royalty. <laughs> just kidding. That didn't make any sense. Uh, is that Tara? <laughs> no, I just meant Buffy, like the whole show. I don't know. It really yeah. didn't make sense. I was just trying to segue. <laughs> Thanks for trying. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to talk about some things, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the Yoko factor. Right? Yeah. Okay. I'll do my best to sum it up quickly, as always. I mean, basically, the title of this episode is coming from kind of the one of the, one of two primary plot lines, which is Adam and Spike are still working together, and Adam is kind of 
trying to get whatever useful information he can out of Spike, who has who reveals that he's killed two slayers before. Um, and he also kind of gives Adam a tip, which is that like, well, you're never going to beat Buffy if you don't separate her from her friends, which is the thing we probably know to be true at this point, generally. So Spike kind of goes to work like breaking up the Scoopies, <laughs> a la Yoko. <laughs> so he, I mean, he kind of just goes one by one to them and like prattles off a few things about their greatest insecurities to kind of instigate fights among the group. The, more or less successfully? I mean, this um, is Spike in his element. I have things to say. Anyway, so well, I mean, essentially he says... This Spike in a positive light. <laughs> no, I actually don't really have a problem with that. I just have problems with the... I got problems with this episode in general. Okay. It was not my favorite. Um, anyway, sorry. So he sows the seeds of discord that more or less come to fruit by the end of the episode. By the end of the episode, all the Scoobies are fighting with one another. They don't really trust each other. Buffy's not sure who she can ask to go with her and kind of decides to go off on her own, etc., etc. Meanwhile, Buffy is coming off of the tale of her of the last Angel episode where she and Angel had this big fight about Faith. So she's like kind of in a weird mood coming back from L.A. She's not really talking to Riley or keeping him in the loop about what's going on. Meanwhile, Riley is hiding in a cave because he's like a wanted man from the um, initiative. So while he's there, Xander like brings him some a change of clothes and also spills the beans about what it is exactly that sets Angel off and turns him into Angelus. So that kind of again, like even without Spike's help, Xander's also sowing some seeds of discord on his own. Um, Riley is getting suspicious. He's getting jealous. He and Angel oddly end up having a physical showdown, fist fight showdown. And then they go both find Buffy, who like eventually kind of placates them both. Like she and Angel have it out. And then she reassures Riley that she's not interested in Angel anymore and that she loves Riley. Last thing that happens is that as Buffy is patrolling on her own, kind of looking for more information about Adam, she runs into Riley's friend Forrest, or maybe former friend, hard to say exactly. They both go into the cave where Adam lives, and Adam immediately, like, kind of beats them both up pretty easily and ends up killing Forrest, which Buffy later has to tell Riley about. So at the end of this episode, she is distrusting her friends. Riley's friend is dead. Riley doesn't know what to do. And he goes out and seeks Adam, seeks out Adam on his own. I think that was all the big points. So you, um, so you're not into this episode. I'm not. And I was, I was actually not expect, I wasn't expecting this reaction. I kind of thought it was going to either be like middling or fine. Kind you know, I guess it is middling. Because, ah. I was very into it. It, my two big points, my two (laughs) big problems are number one. I don't think the spike storyline makes any sense. I don't understand why a single one of them are listening to a thing that spike has to say, least of all Giles who has throughout this season and forever before and forever after said that he like he, he is the first one who would have said spike. You don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. Like, why is he taking messages from spike from Buffy? Why would Buffy send a message to Giles through spike? Like that part doesn't make any sense to me. And I understand that. I think that spike maybe could have riled up Xander. Well, he definitely could have riled up Xander because Xander is pathetic. Maybe he could have gotten to Willow because I think she's particularly vulnerable right now. But even those things, I don't feel like would have come to the head that they come to. So I guess that's my biggest issue with this is that I don't think it makes sense. Even though the season has done a pretty good job of setting apart how this group has been growing apart, I just don't think this capitalized on it in the right way. 
And my other P like, I think we should talk about that first. And then my second issue is just, I hated the Buffy and angel. It undid all of the good work that they did in the last episode. And I'm just really, I was really mad about it. I didn't like the resolution that they gave them. Not that I, I, it's not that I don't like that they got resolution. I didn't like the way that they did it. Two things to this, to your second point, which Mm -hmm. we can talk about second. I agree. (laughs) I think that sometimes I choose to just willfully forget that Angel's in this episode. Totally forgot Um, about it. (laughs) I had completely forgotten. Because I do agree with you, and we'll talk about it, I don't really like the direction that it goes. But then to the Spike things, I do agree with you that it feels incredibly um, plot convenient, right? That yeah, but convenient for the plot that Spike is the one who's able to like that they're even listening to him when he's saying all these things. But I think the the things that make me forgive this is one that it works incredibly well because Spike is having a blast, right? And therefore, I, I'm yeah. having a blast. Yes, but that's also fair. to the other point. No matter how we get there, we are finally seeing the payoff of literally an entire season of subtle slow burn character work that's been happening and like if you're not paying attention you might not even notice it Mm -hmm. whereas the way we're talking we've been talking about it for 20 episodes like we finally we've been waiting to see all of this this breakdown exactly and it's finally happening and so i i almost can forgive the way that it happens because the the interactions that willow and xander and buffy have the fights that they're having it doesn't matter that they heard it from spike it's earned and it's it's building up on a bunch of things and even giles like i mean honestly i agree with you like i think that him listening to spike is the least believable of all Mm -hmm. but also it's it's building on an entire season of Giles being a little bit lost because he has no role in this group anymore other than, like, they come to his house and eat his snacks, you know? Yeah. Okay, here's my two follow-ups now that we're talking about it. Do you, I guess what I wonder... I, like, yeah, I, I guess it's, the Spike thing is not ever going to feel organic or even needed to me because, to your point, they have been building this up slowly over the episodes. And, and in fact... Several of the falling outs that happen in this episode don't happen because of Spike. They happen because of the actual gang themselves. Oh, like, Spike barely first has of all, to do anything. Well, no, but first of all, the thing, one of the accusations that gets thrown at Xander is that he is riling, is riling. <laughs> now I'm just saying that because it sounds like Riley. <laughs> uh, Xander is instigating Riley. So like at the end, one of the showdowns that they have at the end, Buffy's like, oh, and you said blah, blah, blah to Riley. He did do that. Everything else that everyone's saying are fake things, lies that Spike made up. But Xander really did like mess up in this episode, in my opinion. And Buffy's right to call him out on it. So it's kind of funny that like they even feel like they need this spot contri- spike. Oh my god, <laughs> that they need this spike contrivance because in fact the Scoobies have already fallen apart and could have easily, I think, they could have done this without that part of it. I think they just want to work him into the episode, but then it just was like, again, it's just annoying to me. Well, because the other, the other thing too, though, is that Spike doesn't ever get to Buffy. She's having these feelings all on her own. So it's just is. like this 50-50, like, he's sort of there instigating, but all of it, none of his instigations make sense to me, so it's like, why didn't they just let them fall apart and work him in some other way? I don't know. Well, I think the way it works is that Spike is not necessarily, you're right, he's not telling them things that are true, and like, the only one that actually is somewhat real is the Xander situation. But 
or what he does to, about Buffy and Riley, but I don't think that's the point. I think it's that Spike knows what he's saying isn't maybe true, but he's been observing these people right. for a long time, and so he can say something that is categorically not true, but is based in the truth of like their own insecurities or emotions. Like 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 he notices Tara and Willow, and, he, right, and obviously right. this is a new development, so he naturally assumes that Willow might be feeling insecure about the way that her friends are feeling about this. Yeah. And regardless of whether it's true, it's the perfect thing to exploit. You know, same with Xander, where Xander's been going from job to job to job, and he's been marginalized in this group in some ways. Sure. And so, like, he's not necessarily trying to say things that could be proven as true, but the but feeling and the sentiment pro- behind them. That's not what I meant. But, okay, what, what did you mean? I, I don't mean that it's not... I, I didn't mean to say one way or the other that Spike is lying or isn't. I'm saying that I feel like it's weird that the writers felt like they needed to give Spike this storyline because without it, they could have written a bunch of natural ways for the Scoobies to fall out with one another. They could have. I guess that's the part that is weird to me. So this is what I considered is, do you think that they did it in this way because they have to tie it back to Adam? Exactly. And I think that's, yeah, that's the heart of, again, this is the, essentially the penultimate episode of this season. This is part one of two of the like quote unquote climax. So I think again, that's, if this were just an episode, or even if this were just an episode later in the season, I think I would feel differently about it. I think they're trying so hard to force Adam into this storyline, and it makes it, they're make, they're playing on Spike because we care way more about Spike's invest. You know what I mean? It's like they can't well, have Adam Spike run in is there the and only person in this entire ensemble who could feasibly be swayed to Adam's side in some way. Well, but also just that Adam, we as we kind of talked about, like Adam is just so ineffectual. Like with the Master, he hasn't menaced them. If they try and have him menace them now, it wouldn't make any sense, and we wouldn't care about it. So I think all of this is just so much devices trying to get the right people in the right room that it didn't feel I just couldn't stop seeing the strings of like you didn't need to do that you didn't need to do that you're only doing this because Adam has been so bland (laughs) you have to like spice him up with Spike's presence which like admittedly I enjoy I just feel like it was like what a letdown for a like season finale essentially I guess is my final feeling so here's an idea what Mm -hmm. if instead of Adam they had Spike be the villain of this season because it's all in his quest to get this chip removed from his head. And he uncovers all the places to exploit exploit, and the initiative and he's exploiting the battle between the initiative and Buffy and like all this stuff. Like how much more interesting would that be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I guess this is a part where it's also like I feel some, it seems like they had bigger plans for Maggie Walsh and that didn't work out. So like, you know, that's like tough thing, especially about TV is that like you can't necessarily count on things being stable for you as a writer in the future. So like you do have to kind of pivot. So to that part, it's like, it's not that I think this is horrible. It's just really reminding me that like what we've, what I've discovered from us talking about all the episodes of Buffy so far is that season four is way better than I've been giving it credit for, except that I think the reason it gets kind of labeled as one of the weaker seasons is just because this, this final arc has almost no payoff. I don't know if it's almost no payoff. I think it's just disappointing in that yeah. the best Buffy yeah. seasons yeah. 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 have yeah. the best yeah. villains. Right. And I think and, yeah. it's that we have actually some really great payoff here, but it's all in service of something that we don't necessarily like, you know? Yeah. It's like, I do care about this idea that they're exploring with the friends and they're falling apart or being driven apart and growing distant. I think that could have been more powerful than it ended up. But, you know, then again, I kind of don't remember that the next episode might change my mind a little <laughs> bit. You know, I don't, I don't remember the 
all the details, so maybe I'll feel differently next I week. mean, I remember really liking the way this transforms into the next episode, so mm-hmm. maybe that's part of my problem here, or yeah. not problem, but maybe that's why I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. Is like, I agree with you, like, that the mechanics of the way this happens kind of take away from it but I also am willing to just forgive that because I do really love especially and maybe it's because we've been noticing it this entire season yeah yeah really tracking the progress of it but like this is where the entire season of character building is coming to a head and I honestly can forgive the way they they do it because I feel like the emotional payoff here at the end is like it's great to be determined for me. I'll see. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to move on or we keep talking about well, it? Well, we can. Do you want there, to I mean, there's about... more to say about Adam, I think. There, okay, let's get the Adam stuff out of the way. Okay, here's my, here's my question. And as usual, this is actually a question that Alex asked that I didn't know the answer to. <laughs> I'm pretty good at giving him answers or making up answers to things that he, like, doesn't think are believable. But who is the human pieces of Adam? Because <laughs> he's clearly got a half-human face is it a vampire? Is it a human? Was it another soldier? And I can't remember if that's something that gets answered in the next episode or the subsequent one. But I kind of think they only allude to it. I don't feel like they say it. See, this is the thing. I want to say that we find out, but I'm not 100% sure. That's that kind of what do. I said. I was like, I think yeah. they sort of imply but it, but I, I, I don't I know that they that say he it. Was just a soldier. Okay. So I think he was human. Okay. I, I, but there, I guess the question is, Part of him is a human. So, and it, I mean, not that at this point we don't have any lingering doubts about the initiative, especially given that whole Oz situation, but like also they maybe murdered a soldier. Or did, or did he, he die volunteer? and they repurposed his body? I don't know. I Either way, seen. it's super creepy. And I think that's some doubt about what Riley's ultimate purpose is, you know, or what it's supposed to be. Given what we might see in the next episode, that might answer the question of whether he was human. Mm-hmm. But who he was, I don't remember if we find that out. Okay. I genuinely can't remember, so that's kind of exciting. Because I, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, I'm interested in Adam and Riley having interactions <laughs> with each other, but I don't remember, I don't remember exactly how it goes. Yeah, hmm. I, speaking of Riley and Adam, I was genuinely surprised by the end of this episode because yeah, I me too. <laughs> I forgot. I always forget about that too. <laughs> I had forgotten oh, how that happened. Damn, and I really? think we get a little more explanation in the next episode. Um, but I, I didn't understand why he did what he did. Like he just says, "I have to go." And uh, yeah, that's funny. I mean, I guess I was so distracted by everything else that I was like, "No, nah, that makes sense." Because Riley is like really in a, a tough spot. I mean, he has been in a tough spot for several episodes, but in a particularly bad one, I think this week. Given that, like, not only has he renounced his loyalty to the initiative, but now his girlfriend's not talking to him. She's like saying, doing being totally shady about her relationship with her ex-boyfriend who then punches his guts out in the middle of an alley. Like, I don't know. Riley, I think has good question, good reason to need answers or to feel like he needs something. And clearly no one else is giving it to him. He can't go back to the initiative. Buffy's kind of freezing him out, even though they make up in this episode, it's still, I can understand why he's like, well, you're not going to be able to tell me or, or help me in, in maybe a way that I need it. No, but I think he's right, just feeling a little bristled by it too, I guess. Move into the next thing where I feel like I don't understand what Buffy said to Riley. Me, about I didn't Angel understand a whole mess of everything. Everything was bad. What exactly did she tell him? Because it's like we at the end of the last episode, she's all 
you know, I have said, I have to tell you something and parts of it you're not going to like. But it doesn't mm. sound like she told him the parts that he wouldn't like because Riley's wandering off into an alley right. completely, like, ignorant of, like, anything about Angel that matters. Like, the fact that he could only be evil in this one way. I mean, but, like, I think that, that makes sense. But, Xander, and then also to assume that, like, Angel, just angry Angel is, like, evil Angel is... He's so ill-equipped. Buffy told I him mean, nothing. I think she probably just told, I think, I feel like the big bad news is that her ex-boyfriend is a vampire, <laughs> you know, like that she's been dating, dating demons, I think is the big reveal. Not necessarily the specifics of like how I can understand why she would have left that out. To be honest, I didn't think that was that weird. I didn't think it was that weird, honestly, but I thought Riley's reaction to it was weird because he knows Buffy slept with Parker. Why does he care about Yeah, Angel? yeah. I know. I think at that point, though, it's like he's in such a low spot and Xander is kind of goading him just to be a jerk, I felt like. Because Xander <laughs> I mean, like, is, this of course, was, jealous This was Riley. back to Xander and his, bat, his worst light. I've given him so much credit this season and I've genuinely been like, oh, maybe this is why I don't hate Xander because he's not the turd that I remember him being. But then he does this shit and I know it's going to come up again in the next season, specifically with Riley. And it's just like, you know what, Xander, you need to stay out of Buffy's relationships because you have no reason. You had no reason to tell him that you had no reason to assume that he knew. And even if you did, like he could have completely gotten out of that situation once he realized Riley didn't know what he was talking about. Like, I don't know. I was very mad at him. Could <laughs> I have, guess, but I think he gets maybe, a good yelling at next episode. Maybe this is actually, I don't hard to say if this is to the episode's credit or not. But I think the other reason why I don't like this episode is because it's an it's an episode where everybody's being ugly and unlikable, you know? So it's like, on the one hand, maybe they did this very effectively. Or, or I guess in contrast to me kind of not liking this episode, I think part of it is on purpose. Everybody's acting like a jerk. <laughs> like those episodes are good and you need them to happen, but it's never going to be like the my favorite, you know? Yeah. It, unlike in that last episode where, like, for whatever reason, watching Buffy and Angel argue was so satisfying. <laughs> like, this one is so frustrating. But not because it's not believable, just because it's annoying. <laughs> it's like, you, you guys just do that thing where you actually talk to one another and then you solve all the problems. Like, I don't know. So, speaking of the last episode of Angel, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a pattern that I'm witnessing where they have these big emotional payoff conversations that like kind of move things in a new direction and mm -hmm. then in the next episode we see everybody kind of acting like it never happened like it's the same thing we were talking about between this year's girl and yeah. who are you and yeah. five by yeah, five and sanctuary yeah. or even between who are you and five by five i feel like we get a very similar um tonal shift here between sanctuary and this episode yeah yeah i agree buffy like Buffy and Angel, okay, in some ways, okay, Angel's in town because he doesn't want to leave it like that, but right. why the hell is Angel acting like this? Why is he beating up Riley in right? an alleyway? <laughs> Didn't make any sense. Like, I was like, there's literally no reason for you guys to be fighting. Uh, Angel did not tell him he's not evil. All Angel had to say was, no, I'm not evil. Let's go talk to Buffy. And they would have not had a fist fight. And I like, took it as maybe Angel is exercising wrongly some of his frustration yeah, of his situation where Buffy's allowed to move sure. on and he's not. And poor Riley <sighs> is taking the brunt of it. But, yeah. but how is that? If but, he's come to Sunnydale to apologize to exactly. Buffy, how is beating up her boyfriend going to do that? And also, I'm sorry, but like Angel, 
I feel like after all this season of Angel, he's just not the person who would do that. You know what I mean? Like, no. that's not his MO. It doesn't make any sense for him to lash out out of jealousy and anger at somebody that he's never even met. Like, I just don't believe that that's a thing that would okay, happen. That was totally just a thing. Again, it's just like a thing that they needed to, like, all the jealousy that they couldn't write into the Willow Oz Terra episode. Apparently, they needed to just shoehorn in here to, like, get it out, <laughs> out of their system. But and, it doesn't make any sense. And even beyond the fighting, when they're in Buffy's dorm room... And Riley says he's yes. not leaving, and they yes. they leave the room treat and him Angel's like a child. Yes. Who is that? That's not yes. Angel. It's not. And why does Buffy let him treat him that way? You know, or treat him that way herself? It's like Riley has done pretty much. Well, I kind of once again like he's really not done anything wrong. How could he have assumed anything else? I mean, like I get it. You're like maybe. Or not even maybe. Clearly, Buffy didn't really explain to him what it means for Angel to be Angelus. Or rather, that's like a hard thing to grasp, I think. The only other people who understand it are the people who saw witnessed it happen. So like, sure, it's going to be hard for him to know when he sees Angel show up and he's beating up all of his former friends. I think that's a fair assumption to make that, like, perhaps this guy is evil since he's working against well, I mean, I guess the initiative is a dicey situation. But either way, I just, I don't think Riley's jumping to any unreasonable conclusions here. I think he's totally using all the evidence that he's been given and making the best possible choices. But they just, it's like, why isn't anyone just explaining to him what's going on? Why doesn't, he, again, like, why doesn't Angel identify himself as Angel, not Angelus? Well, why also, doesn't Buffy just say, I'm sorry, we didn't, nothing happened, but we just need to have a conversation in private instead of, like, leaving it cryptically. So two things to that. One... Are we to assume that Angel investigated Riley? Because how does he even? How know do he Riley's know who name? he was? Like, uh, great point. Probably Buffy didn't mention it. Maybe. I don't know. When did Faith drop it? I don't know. So should, yeah. how does he know one that Riley's a soldier guy and two his name? That's the big one. Yeah. And then um, actually three things I'm going to add to this. And then <laughs> the <laughs> second thing is I kind of understand Buffy's caginess with Riley in that she just had this traumatic fight with Angel. She's also severely concussed, so mm. we could understand that she's not maybe coherent and, like, able to have a really heavy conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. And three, what the hell is going on? When does Angel need to explicitly ask permission to enter a room? I know, I know. Okay, that pissed me off quite a bit, given well, the events in Sanctuary, or uh, Five by Five. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, which events in 5x5? Five five? Where he just saunters into Faith's squatting apartment. Yeah, well, fair enough. Sorry, he like, she invites him in and then the he also up. says her invitation is not good enough and he needs a very explicit invitation. Yeah, into the room. Whereas yeah. also, Spike <laughs> pretty much just walked his way into Willow and Buffy's room. And I can't remember what we decided about that. I feel like there somebody did invite him in. I think she shouted, come in at the door through him and that's better than i guess or angel can just waltz in anywhere he pleases i'm sorry i just got very fed up with the inconsistency (laughs) i think they've been consistent in buffy i think it's angel where they've just flouted all the rules (laughs) but now they're trying to mix up the worlds and it's just very confusing (laughs) maybe maybe the rules are extra strong over the hell mouth i don't know anyway but the more important one of those three was i do think buffy and riley's interaction 
isn't helped by the fact that Riley has just heard this thing from Xander and Riley's feeling vulnerable because he's wearing Xander's clown pants. And but but that's also, not, it's not even just that though. I think you're absolving Buffy of more than she deserves because she comes back to LA and literally doesn't even go to, she doesn't get send any kind of message to Riley whatsoever. Riley is hiding in a cave. He has to leave and expose himself to danger to even know that she's okay. Like I get it if she needed space, but I think that's totally unacceptable. All she had to do was say, Hey, I'm back. Well, and I guess their initial conversation, she wasn't concussed yet. No, she just yeah. came back from LA and went back to her dorm room and then was sad that Willow wasn't there, but didn't even think twice about her poor boyfriend who's gotten kicked out of his, his army group of friends and has literally no one else except for her. Well, we did decide <laughs> recently that Buffy is a very selfish person when it comes it's to It's true, and I'm life. just really mad about it because Riley doesn't deserve this. It's no wonder everything is going to happen the way that it does later, I guess. No wonder Riley thinks Buffy doesn't love him. Yeah, because she doesn't. I mean, she does now, but she's not going to. Shoot, spoilers. I have something else to say about Riley. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just my opinion, but yes, also spoilers. I guess, the, like, in addition to, though, just the kind of confusion about, like, why is Angel doing any of the things that he's doing? Even the things that he's saying don't make any sense, because he comes into Buffy's room, you know, they're all frantic. And he tells, he, I had to rewind the scene to watch it twice. So I was like, what the hell did he just say? He says something to the effect of like, it's not life or death. But then Riley tries to say something else. And Angel's like, we don't have time to talk about this. I'm like, Angel, get your story straight. Is this an important life or death situation or is it not? And like, what was he even afraid of? Like, there was literally no urgency to anything that they couldn't have just sat there and calmly explained things to Riley. Right? What was I missing in that situation? Like, if anything, the commandos are after Riley, not Angel. <laughs> I don't know. I just didn't. I was like, what are you talking about? I, yeah, I don't know. Okay. All right. Now that you're pointing it out to me, and thanks for that, by the way, <laughs> my opinion of this episode is going I'm down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. We'll get back to some better things. Okay. Can I Whatever. point out, can we, can we leaven the mood a little bit? Yes. And can I point out some of the dialogue things that made me very happy in this episode? Yes. Okay. This is not related to any major concepts or whatever, just my general enjoyment of the fact that even if we are complaining, the the dialogue on the show continues to sparkle. It's true. Um, Oh, I bet I know one of the ones they're going to say. At least I I hope I love the scene where Spike is talking to Adam, Mm -hmm. and he calls him Mr. Bits. (laughs) (laughs) And he's he's saying, yeah, Mr. Bits and Little Miss Tiny. (laughs) (laughs) I just really like that. Also, I love that when um, Adam says she's just a girl, basically yeah, the thesis I did statement like that. of this show, essentially. Yeah, no, I agree. Also, so when Riley is confronting Angel in the alley, and he says, word for word, way I heard it, you were all peaceable now. Yeah. Do you think Riley is proto-Malcolm Reynolds? <laughs> maybe yeah maybe i was like his entire oh god his entire side of that conversation with angel i was like am i watching firefly (laughs) because he said something else where i was like whoa and then also drunk giles is let's just not that was pretty fun you're you're right and it was hilarious just kind of slowly in the background watch giles get drunker and drunker buffy's (laughs) saying she's gonna go fight adam by herself and giles says you never train with me anymore he's going to kick your ass (laughs) (laughs) i very much enjoyed that uh okay well i also enjoyed the tony robbins dig yes because it's so random like i don't know why but also timely (laughs) considering his recent uh grossness 
Oh, I haven't heard about that. Ugh. Well, some I don't woman, know. he was talking about the Me Too movement, and some mm. woman tried to point out that perhaps he wasn't considering the emotions involved in being sexually harassed or victimized, mm-hmm. and he did not respond well, and it was a viral Ugh. moment that did not reflect well on him. Yeah. Um, but I, I laughed because he does kind of look like Frankenstein, Tony <laughs> Robbins, <laughs> who also looks a bit like Frankenstein. Um, um, but also, bigger, bigger question... Mm-hmm. How did Buffy get to LA? I don't know. Ran? Did she take the bus? She ran. She ran. She didn't she can drive, run real. Right? She can run real fast. No, she definitely didn't drive. Yeah. She does know. not have a car. I just had that thought of like, how does Buffy get anywhere? Who knows? We know she I runs you're all over Sunnydale. answering my running theory, but... <laughs> um, okay, in a more, not exactly levity, but um, I enjoy Giles singing in this episode. I yes. like that we get to see it. I'm curious why we've seen so much singing Giles in this episode. Like, what did Anthony Stewart had to say to which writer to be like, you know what I need is more screen time singing. Because like, I what, like it. It's just super random. You know what I bet it was is that I bet he like played his guitar around the set in between oh, tapes, yeah, and, and they, they were, were like, like we got to get yeah. this on the show. <laughs> oh, and also when. Um, Xander was bringing pants. I think it was when he was bringing pants. No, it was a different scene. Oh, they're bringing clothes to Spike. Uh, they were bringing like army fatigues to Spike or whatever for his plan or something or other. And Anya was with him. She was definitely drinking out of an in and out um, cup. I did notice that, but she wasn't having a milkshake. Because they are the green ones. Uh, right? I don't know that, but I th- it just looked too liquidy. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. The, no, the milkshake ones have a different color cup. Oh, I didn't know that. But I didn't think about it until you just said it, so you're right. So she was just drinking a, a regular old soft drink, but she probably had a burger and fries before. Yeah. Or who knows what. She so could have Sunnydale had might have a in and out Yeah, an in and out Or they drove to L.A. to get it. Well, because, you know, L.A. is just there. <laughs> I have no idea how far apart if you're on Angel, Sunnydale are supposed they, to be. The lawyers talk about it as a bit of a ways up north. If you're on Sunnydale, it's just walking distance. <laughs> um, okay, this is another question that's not... This is not so light-hearted, but the thing that Spike says to Xander to get him all riled up is that the gang has been talking about him and how he should join the army. But, like, it's really not a bad suggestion. Uh, I kind of don't understand. It, we yeah. think Xander should join the <laughs> why army. Didn't, why didn't Xander join the army? He still has latent knowledge that would give him just a leg up. It would help him fight with his friends. <laughs> like, it would give. There's no downside to it. He, that's totally the option. That is definitely what he should have done. He could Not have as money, like a, bad... a steady job. He already has a knowledge base. He would have sailed through exactly. basic training. Exactly, yeah. And like, they what? would have had extra access to all of this stuff. Honestly, we've talked about this before. It's a wasted it opportunity. It doesn't make any sense, Mark, for him not to do that. <laughs> like, the whole army isn't the initiative. There's also just the regular army, Xander. And, like, you don't even know about the initiative until recently. I guess maybe that turns them off the idea. But it's certainly nothing to get offended about. It's a totally fair suggestion. I think he's thinking of it more of, like, they would, like, ship him off somewhere. But, like, yeah, we've already established there's clearly a base in Sunnydale. On Sunnydale. <laughs> yeah. As, and there's an in and out What else can you need? Although we've never established if the initiative came from that base or if they supply soldiers oh, from that no, base. Oh, no. I actually think way. it's I think it's certain that they don't come from that base. Yeah. Which is all the weirder because who would know more about supernatural things than the people stationed there? But well, let's not get into that. <laughs> Can of worms. Yeah. I guess, okay, this is not as serious of a complaint, but I also did kind of find it weird that Adam would just trust Spike to come up with his own plan. <laughs> 
Like he really was just like, Spike just came back and was like, yep, I did it. It's all fine. And Adam was like, okay. I'm like, Adam, you're, you were so smart that you couldn't be fooled by the superstar spell that Jonathan did. But like, you didn't think to like double check Spike's methods. Well, I don't think that that speaks to his intelligence. I think it speaks to his programming or the fact that he's Maybe. not entirely alive. Um, I don't but know. But also I think he's, it's been established and I think this sort of reinforces it is as cunning and as you know, clever and interested in all of this stuff that Adam might be, he's a little bit naive. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. He's still Um, brand new, you know? Yeah. He only has his own experiences to go off of. Right. But I don't know why you would trust Spike. Maybe he doesn't. Hmm. But he, he does because he just lets, he doesn't follow up on anything that he did. Well, because maybe he's seeing the results. I guess also maybe there's, he, you know, they're trying to position him as, like, really robotic and he doesn't understand emotions, so maybe that is all even more foreign to him than yeah, than other things. Like, what, what he couldn't have given Spike advice on how to manipulate people, because that's not, like, in his wheelhouse. Yeah. Although I do want to point out that Spike is 100% correct when he's educating Adam. Um, Yoko About Yoko? Yeah, did not break up that. the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also, you know, to be honest, I think that's how I learned about Yoko Ono was from this episode, like, ten years ago. <laughs> Which has certainly colored my perception of that whole situation, because the first time I heard about it was Spike being like, it wasn't really her. I'm like, fair enough. But also, mm-hmm. of course not. Like, that's, that can't be her fault. And that's a very sexist narrative. Like, this it woman is. came in and broke up this band. Yeah. So we don't stand for that on this podcast. It's true. And neither does Spike. (laughs) Exactly. Feminist (laughs) hero Spike. Uh, Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to be so downer about this one. I I, No, I I, I fully understand what your points are. I think I just... I think over time I've just chosen to accept this episode. I think that was why I just just forgot. Yeah. Just forget about the parts that fail. I mean, well, except for the Angel Riley thing. I honestly watching this and I was like, God, why is this even happening? <laughs> I mean, and we didn't, I guess, let's not like dwell on it because like what else is there to say that I haven't more or less already said, but the Angel and Buffy resolution was just, I don't understand why they felt like they needed to do it right away. I don't understand why they made Angel apologize when I think we pretty clearly established that Buffy was mostly at fault. At least way more at fault than this him. This her he, off the hook in a way that I It don't really like. does. Yeah. I think that this is really not positioning her. It's not not punishing her, but it's not... There's no consequences for the mistakes that she's making. Because even Riley more... I mean, Riley sort of forgives her. You know, she sweet talks her way out of her bad behavior towards Riley. Angel apologizes. It was just really unsatisfying. So I, I think, to be fair, the other reason why I'm kind of down on this episode is because I didn't realize how much I loved that last episode of Angel until we watched it. And so I'm just like coming off of a high like that. It's just like hard to be like, oh, not only was this kind of a lackluster episode, but it specifically undid the things that I liked about the last one. I think that that more than anything just kind of left me with this like, well, this could have been a fun Yoko reference episode. And instead it's this like weird just doing weird work. (laughs) Well, and that's what's really frustrating. And we talked about, you know, I said earlier, is like this is a pattern throughout this whole year of like they're doing this great, amazing work of like wonderful conversations and scenes and character work. And then like two episodes later, they just undo it. Yeah. It's like, I guess it's just like not confident in what they wanted to do with this season. Or again, it was like once their initial storyline fell through, they just like couldn't figure out how to recoup it. 
or something. Because there yeah. is so much good stuff in this season. Like, I am so surprised at how much I've enjoyed this season. But, yeah. yeah. I, I think... That's just funny when they... So there's just a lot of whiffs. my view of it, and this one has not. Yeah. Although I think I always rank this one a little bit higher. I think it's one of the ones that every time I watch it, I like it more. Uh, four, seven, one are my last ones, I think. Four. So I, I don't... I mean, I, it's not my least favorite. I have to go back and... I don't remember what my rankings were. <laughs> I know mine. They haven't I changed yet. Was, <laughs> I, think, I think four might have been higher than you put it. I'm not sure. Hmm. Oh, well, it's on the website. We can check. Yeah. Right? Uh, mine's on the website. I think yours is, too. Um, oh, oh my god, I forgot about the lightest, best moment about this whole episode. <laughs> Car- Willow and Tara finally get their kitten. Oh. Uh, I don't appreciate... That's just appreci- that's what the life you want. <laughs> it is the life that I want. I think about that line, like, several times a week. I don't know why, but there's a line where they're playing with the kitten, and Willow says something to the effect of, oh, every time I think she can't do anything even cuter, anything cuter, she goes, like, does something new and resets the whole system curses i really should have written down the actual quote but it's like i think about that all the time anytime i see something cute i'm like oh my god it just reset it all from scratch <laughs> i like, specifically think about this just wait till you see your cat yawn oh that's so cute oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah last time we recorded you left and there was a cat outside your room that was two weeks two, two weeks ago. ago i know and Those you kittens gave it gone. away i so. know they got adopted by other people okay well, you but no at least they found homes. <laughs> I know. You had a kitten in your apartment that you could be watching yawn right now. No, <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, okay, should we talk about okay. uh, Angel? We should. Okay, now that Angel has made a little visit to they just little, mm-hmm. Okay, so Angel is uh, war zone. Uh, I think notable for the introduction of a character that we will come to know very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beginning of this episode, forgive me if I get the order wrong <laughs> on the yeah. events, but I'll, I'll, I think I'm just going to break this up into different parts of the episode. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. Because I, I'm having trouble remembering. I only watched it two nights ago. The, the firm, Angel Investigations, has a very wealthy client that they've somehow retain the services for and Mm -hmm. he is being blackmailed because he visited a demon brothel Mm -hmm. so they're oh wait i do remember this now okay so (laughs) so they are they go to a party to meet with him because it's less inconspicuous and cordelia of course is or less conspicuous sorry and cordelia is trying to of course enjoy a nice party out so um they find out the case he tells them he's been to this demon brothel he's being blackmailed about it so angel in following up tracks down this photographer guy who took these photos and he beats him up but in the process he runs into this street gang of kids who are fighting vampires Mm -hmm. um you know we can assume they've run across them enough times that they've figured out what they are and they've built this whole arsenal and so they tangle with angel and angel pretty much barely gets away Mm-hmm. Um, so Angel, you know, is kind of brooding about these kids, like, you know, they don't have an easy life and yet they're now they're still trying to deal with this whole vampire issue. I think he goes back and talks to them or, or he runs into them. Yeah, again. he try makes it yeah. Yeah. 
But so then we start to follow the the lives of these kids and they've tangled with a gang of vampires that is really unhappy to be ceding their territory as they see it to a bunch mm-hmm. of humans and they hatch a plan and they kidnap. So there's the leader of this gang, Gun, and mm-hmm. um, he's got a bunch of sidekicks, but his sister is one of these people too. And these vampires launch an attack and they kidnap his sister. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, right. So Angel goes back to the group and he's trying to talk to them about like, you know, we can work together or I can help you or you shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this or, you know, various things of like, I can help you. I'm Angel. And yeah. um, they lock Angel up in a room and Gun, you know, tracks down where his sister was taken to. She's been turned into a vampire. He has to stake her. Mm-hmm. Angel has broken free and finds him and they have a little bit of a moment where I think Gun recognizes Angel is not the same as these vampires that they've been right. fighting. And at the end, they kind of have like a tentative truce, like, hey, if you need help, I'll, mm-hmm. you know, don't have hesitate to ask. And Angel says, hey, if I need help, I might ask you. Yeah. It's pretty much it. Yeah. Did I miss anything important? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I feel like this is mostly an episode to show... You know, we're back on the streets of, like, the demons bleeding into L.A. and on the street level yeah. in the way that they weren't in Sunnydale. And also, as we will find out, this is an introduction of a character that will become important. Stick around. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like this episode. I think it still is suffering from the kind of... <laughs> the way that every episode of Angel has suffered in, like, they just can't quite tie it together properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think it was a weird parallel story to have this, like, billionaire... Or rather, it's not a weird story to tie into this episode about, like, sh- street gang kids who have a really rough life. They clearly either came out of... Like, they don't have parents. They're living on their own. They're barely scraping by. And then to kind of contrast that with this, like, ex- excessive wealth that this guy has because he's, like, a software engineer or whatever, you know, dot-com com boom sort of billionaire... Um, Like, it could be interesting, but, like, they never made it work, I don't feel like, on that level. Other than just literally juxtaposing them, which I think is lazy. So, it's not even that it's lazy, right? I just feel like they're not quite good at tying the episodes together so that they feel cohesive. Like, the gun storyline is very interesting. It's very compelling. The stuff with his sister is, like, that's a pretty... It's a pretty uh, traditional hero origin story that is not, you know, ill-used here exactly. But, like, it just didn't quite gel even if there's a lot of good stuff in it. No, it seems like a very much like connect the dots kind of plot, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, they're dealing with this millionaire and then in the pursuit of like solving his problems from the top of this wealthy life all mm-hmm. the way down to the seedy underbelly of what he's encountered. You know, we encounter this demon brothel, which is, um, you know, essentially what it sounds like, just a brothel yeah. populated by demon women um but all the way down to the level where these kids are living and and really though the disappointing thing beyond the dis- the juxtaposition is like the plot of this blackmail really only exists to put angel on the street yeah and why yeah why do like we angel's need- always on the street they didn't exactly. really need that why yeah. do we-, we don't even need that so, yeah except to remind us that okay cordelia comes from money and doesn't have it and yeah that there are humans interacting with demons in la in a way that they weren't in Sunnydale, you know, like I think we've talked before about um, this idea of the demon sort of the demon world in Angel versus the demon world in Buffy, where in Buffy it's very underground. 
in mm-hmm. an Angel, it's sort of less underground, and maybe that's right. it's a more urban environment. But right. this is one where people who are otherwise, you know, they're not lawyers at Wolfram and Hart dealing with demon clients. These are normal people yeah. just willingly encountering demonic, like, activity, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. But I think that this story of these kids and this gang of, like, vampires and this turf war with these kids you know it could have been told without that yeah I mean and it's like I think we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of point out the sort of like stereotypical nature of this episode you know it's like one of the first episodes that's featured people that aren't white (laughs) and it's like and they're gangs they're in a gang you know and his name's gun you know just that they're all homeless and they band together you're right but they do position it but positioning it as a turf war Mm -hmm. you know I think and again, his name is Gunn. Well, I'm I sorry. Like, I positioned not... it as a turf war only because that's sort of the language the vampire used. Yeah, no, but I'm saying that that, yes, I, I'm sure, certain that that was intentional, okay. you know. I mean, he also kind of made it sound like it was, I mean, there was some coded language in the vampire of, you know, this used to be a nice neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and, and I guess it's just like, they're not. And now it's by these people. They're not good enough at that stuff. Yeah. At being at being like socially aware that I, it's not coming it just is coming across as stereotypes rather than like pointed commentary because even the opening scene the opening scene was Alana running down an alleyway and getting chased down by vampires which it turns out to have been you know she was she was the bait and they were attacking you know they were her her mm-hmm. brother and his friends were prepared to attack the vampires as soon as they came out but that scene felt really I don't know it just it was a little frustrating, I think, to see the first again, like one of the first times that we've seen a, a person of color on the show being victimized and Angel's not the one like, I don't know, it was just a very it struck a weird note for me where it was like I you could they it's possible that they were trying to make a note about like, well, the institutions fail you. And so communities of color have to come up with their own ways to defend and support themselves. But I don't feel like that was the point they were making. I think it was just sloppy, you know. Well, but if it was the point, they didn't do a very good they, job. Exactly. And, and which is kind of the same with the, like, like I was saying with the billionaire storyline, where I was like, well, are you making a point about extravagant wealth, you know, versus people barely scraping by and living in poverty? If you are, it's not clear what that point is to me, other than, or look, some people have money and some people don't. Make a point <laughs> about how you could be really rich and still not have friends. Like, it was. I guess, but that why make that? That's not the. That had nothing to do with the gun. No, it didn't. Line, but they you know? really kind of hammered that home with that guy. Right, right, right. No, so, I think you're right, and I think also it it seemed poised to raise a lot of interesting questions, but it just yeah. really didn't make you want to. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, and I mean, not to cut it down though, because I think at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, this is like a pretty. I think standard hero origin story. And I think Gunn is going to be a great hero. I don't remember a lot of the details about the run of Angel, as I've said many times, but I remember that I feel fond of Gunn in general. So like, I think this is a, a fairly fitting introduction to him. I think it does give him a lot to kind of go off of, you know, he has that, he has a tragedy. I, I think that I, I've always felt like the implication was that vampires had killed other of their friends. And that's why they kind of took up this, mantle so i think that there is something more pointed than just they've run into them living on the street and therefore were vulnerable to being preyed on by vampires Mm -hmm. had figured out what they were up against so they banded together and then we see his sister in the beginning sort of suggesting to gun that it started as this defensive tactic 
but it's evolved and now to where he's, he's actively seeking yeah. out battles with these Which, vampires. And yeah. on that note, I do want to say one thing I think this episode does really well Yeah, is that first scene where Alana is bait and then it's kind of turns the tables and mm-hmm. these kids are luring the vampires into this elaborate trap that they've mm-hmm. set. But yet that what the episode goes on to show is that, that that's still not enough. Yeah. Yeah. They've, that a they lot are of them outnumbered. Die by the end. They've like, they're vastly outnumbering the vampires. Totally. They've got a tank or like a truck armed with yeah. um stakes. wooden stakes. <laughs> they've all got stakes. They've got stake yeah. like, guns, like all of this stuff. And yet a couple of them still get killed and they can't take down all the vampires. I mean, right. it gives you more appreciation for what Buffy and Faith can do. That's true. And I thought that was a nice note to hit, but yeah, it also was, I think the fuzziness of the origins and the the message and, you know, it's, it's just typical for this season of Angel, unfortunately, where nothing feels fully developed. Right. I think the, another thing that I read online is that that billionaire character was also supposed to be a recurring character. I mean, I do remember seeing him at least one more time, if I'm not wrong. But I, I think that's maybe another or, you know, maybe that's a little bit of the explanation about like why this ends up kind of falling flat is that they were trying to introduce two character, <laughs> you know, two new characters and get, make us interested and care about both of them. Even though, again, they have kind of little to do with one another and they're not able to really make that dovetail into an interesting story that you know but but i mean like i didn't hate that guy i thought that that storyline was somewhat interesting i mean i like getting nerd jokes in an episode i really mm-hmm. like the dungeons and dragon joke where he says have you heard of dungeons and dragons and angel's like yes which one <laughs> before wesley explains like no the game <laughs> um and yeah i mean i think it's an interesting point about like having money and that not making you happier and you know cordelia getting a little additional development here I, yeah, so, I mean, overall, I think it's uh, a pretty emblematic season one episode, which is there's lots of good ideas here. Many of them aren't being fully executed. Right, and I think it only benefits, though, in the fact that there have been such truly awful episodes. That is, right, that this seems pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fine. It's okay. It's fine. Yeah. 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 And I think I, I remember this one a little bit more fondly only because it is the introduction. Because exactly, totally. And I Gun is a character that I really like at least for a while. And um, mm-hmm. I think yeah. I like him forever, but I can't remember. I don't love his season five arc. Uh, I don't think I like anyone's arc <laughs> at the very end. I think most people get shortchanged, but. Again, who knows? But 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 it, it gives us promise for... I mean, and this is what I've been saying for weeks now, right? Right. And I, I think I want it to be true every week, but this is the point where we're laying the groundwork for Angel to be better. Yeah. And it's going to get there and, so soon. And we're starting to... <laughs> not to spoil anything, but we're starting to populate the cast for season two, and I think yeah, totally. that's a good sign. So, Oh, and I guess just to touch on this again, though, it would have been kind of... I can understand why they would want a character like that billionaire guy, because it does kind of make sense that Angel's Angel Investigations needs a benefactor. Right. You know, it's like clear that they're barely scraping by kind of month to month. Like they seem to be making enough money that Cordelia and Wesley can earn a salary, which frankly is completely unbelievable. But, uh, uh, you know, having has a ghost. Remember, the rent must be like three hundred dollars yeah, a month. That's true. But still, where's Wesley living, though? I don't know. But yeah, but the idea that like, oh, now we have a way to explain how they're getting money to do anything, I think would have made sense, but... Well, he just gave them a ton of money. Right, so I guess they're going to live off that for a while. Two seasons worth, we're good. Okay. (laughs) 
But yeah, but that being said, I'm super excited that Gunn is in the show. I like his, I like that actor. I liked the girl who played Alana. I thought she did a good job. No, I do actually really like interaction between Gunn and Alana yeah. for two actors who only had one episode to really yeah. kind of lay the groundwork and history of this relationship. I thought yeah, they did a great felt, job. I mean, yeah. that scene with them at the, after Alana has turned. And yeah, that's a good Gunn, scene. Gunn, <laughs> obviously, like, you can tell from the beginning, like, he's not even hesitating. Like, you you know he's he knows she's a vampire. And when he's, like, shaking his head, like, no, no, it's not because, like, I mean, he is mourning her death in a way, but it's also because he knows that for her truly what? to die, he has to kill her. Yeah, and like, yeah. But it's just so well done. I mean, I, as much as the rest of the episode kind of fails, I think that particular scene is... I agree. Good. I mean, I think they're definitely one of the highlights of the episode, I think. Yeah. I do think that that's... Like I, I've said this three times now, like, it's a good... Not just origin story, but it's just a good story. You know, I, I appreciate that there was more to it than just he loses his sister tragically. It's also that like, she was the one trying to talk him out of doing this in the first place. And like, they Mm -hmm. clearly are having other tension already from the get go. And I do think that that was fairly well plotted that like, they don't have to go into every nitty gritty detail of what they've been fighting about for us to pretty much get the gist of it. Um, and yeah, like she really pulls off the scene post vampire transformation. And that actually just reminds me that in general, you know, other than with, um, (laughs) friend who's friend number one in the pilot of Buffy whose name escapes me right now. J, J, what's his name? Jesse. Jesse. I was like, Jason? No. Yeah. Other than Jesse, you know, we don't typically get to see char- good characters turn into vampires and it is always kind of interesting, you know, because again, it's like we, we, I think you and I have accepted and Angel has too that like Buffy's narrative of like, it's a different demon that sets up shop in your body is clearly not true. So I do like getting to see like, oh, we saw how you were before, and this is how you're playing off of that as a vampire, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's more to it than she now wants to kill her brother. It's not even really that, right? She's almost so. trying to lure him into this right. life. Yeah. yeah. Although I, I, I did find myself wondering, is that truly her goal, or is she trying to convince him only to kill him? I mean, we'll never know, but... Yeah. I, th- I suspect the latter. Yeah. Or the former, I mean. Okay, well... So next week. Next week, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, I do remember, I think, well, I don't remember that much, actually, about the next episode of Angel. I don't remember squat about it. <laughs> the one <laughs> after is very promising. <laughs> okay. Um, and Buffy, we're going to watch Primeval. Yes. Which will be I, interesting. Now, I have no idea how I'm going to react to this, frankly. I only remember some of the beats. Well, I don't know. I, guess I, remember, I remember really liking well. this episode. I think I'm going to like it despite my frustrations this week. Yeah, I actually think I'm remembering a significant scene from it that I thought was part of the Yoko factor that was not. So Mm. um, I'm excited. And then uh, next week on Angel is Blind Date. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It could be anything. (laughs) Yeah. I think it has to do with Wolfram and Hart, but I... Okay, that's exciting. Oh, that does actually feel right. Yeah. I might be very wrong, though. Okay. Um, do you have any pop culture this week? I do. I've been rewatching um, one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> We've been watching Freaks and Geeks, which <gasps> I haven't seen in several years. Oh, it's man. been a while. I've seen it a lot, but I haven't watched it in a while. Had Alex ever seen it? He had seen some episodes, but not the whole thing. And we've been watching it pretty slowly, which is part of why it was like, I, I don't know. I just, when we first started watching it, I just had this immediate rush of like, this is, it was like, it filled me with nostalgia for where I was when I first watched it. it. fills me with nostalgia for being a high schooler. It fills me with dread about being a high, like it, 
evoked so many emotions in me. That's why I've been like being really cagey week to week. Cause it was like, it's not that I don't want to talk about it, but it's that I want to do it justice to like explain why it's so important to me and like why it's such a good show. If there's anybody who hasn't watched it, you a hundred percent should. It's written by Paul Feig and produced by Judd Apatow or maybe some sort of combination of those things, you know, and like they've clearly gone on to have pretty successful careers in Hollywood. I have they. Yeah. Who are these people? Who that? Paul Feig. <laughs> I'm joking. A, oh, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, Allie, what is happening right now? <laughs> uh, Sorry. You, yeah. All this. Yeah. Yeah. Did Whatever that new uh, Anna Kendrick Blake Lively thing is, I don't oh, know. Oh, I didn't know he was involved in that. Yeah. Okay, well, regardless, I think their careers have... I'm happy that they've had a lot of success. I only somewhat like most of their stuff. I like Paul Feig more than I like Judd Apatow, but, I you agree. know... yeah. But what a combination of time and place and people. Every actor in this show is completely perfect. Um, oh, I guess just to give you a quick rundown, if you've never seen it, it's a show set in the 80s in, like, Michigan, where I think Paul Fig grew up. And it's like basically the two main characters are Lindsay and Sam Weir. They're brother and sister. Lindsay is older and Sam is like a freshman in high school. He's the titular geek and she is sort of becoming one of the freaks, which is like a word for stoners. So she, you know, has been like exploring a new identity in high school. She used to be a mathlete, but she's trying she's been hanging out with these kind of burnout kids. And then her brother, Sam, is just a a huge geek and he gets picked on as do his friends, but they also obviously have lots of fun moments and stuff, but it's just not a single episode has disappointed me yet. Nothing about it is bad for the book. I, 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 maybe there's something, but like, I pretty much can't think of anything. <laughs> um, and again, in particular, like it's all the actors that you're now familiar with because they've continued to be in all the Judd Apatow things, but like they were such good kid actors. John Francis Daly, who later is, uh, has a long run on Bones is just Why don't you just do Bones one of these days, Jenny? I did Bones already. I already did that. Did you? Yeah. Oh, I feel like you bring it up every week. Oh, well, I guess I just figure that counts. Like, yeah, watch Bones if you haven't. <laughs> um, anyway, to sum up, it's great and perfect. It's sadder than I remember it being because oh, yeah. I feel like when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, this is a funny show that has some sad moments. But really, in reflection, it's a pretty somber show that has some funny moments which is better, I think. Like, it's just the drama and the tension is great. Everybody is going through these realistic problems. And, like, the main kids, Lindsay and Sam, have a really stable home life. And it's nice. Frankly, it's, like, refreshing and nice to see that depicted. But it's also, like, they don't shy away from all the different types of problems that all the other kids and families are facing, um, even though it never feels, like, heavy-handed or anything like that. But um, in particular, the reason that I'm talking about this week is because we just rewatched my favorite episode or what I think is my favorite episode, which is an episode that's called um, Dead Dogs and Gym Teachers. It's my favorite because as with with Angel, where I finally realized that Wesley's my favorite character, what I realized about Freaks and Geeks, I actually realized this a while ago, is that Bill is my favorite character. He's one of the geeks. He's played by Martin Starr. I just love him. He's like the most perfect performance of anything. He's just such a lovable little nerd and he's just so sweet. Um, but he gets a big storyline in that in dead dogs and gym teachers because his character's mom is a single mom and she starts dating his gym teacher who he hates. But there's just like this scene at the end where he breaks down crying in a car because like he and the gym teacher are like the gym teacher's trying to, you know, charm him, but it's like just not working and they're not getting along and he just breaks down in a car and it's so sad. Ugh. 
I'm talking about it with a huge smile on my face, though. It's just such a beautiful, perfect moment. And the show is just full of things like that, where it's just like, man, you guys really captured youth and and nostalgia in this like perfect 18 episode run that of course it got canceled because nothing good can last, but also maybe for the best because there's nothing bad about it. Okay. That's my end. And that's my end. I still Um, feel like I, when I get really excited about things, I like lose my train of thought much more easily. (laughs) I don't feel like I really explained to anyone anything, but like, it's a great perfect show and you should watch it. All true. I second all of that. Um, but I want to tie on to your mention about all good things being ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. obviously worked wonders Update. because <laughs> NBC decided to pick up Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Thank goodness. What? <laughs> it's so crazy. Even though they did that before our episode aired, but I'm going to choose to believe that my little rant about it had something to do with the universe. Clearly. Yeah. Oh my God. Alex told me this morning that I got picked up by NBC and I was like, yeah, no duh. And he was like, well, you didn't talk about it on your podcast. I was like, we only do it once a week. We'll talk about it. So I'm glad (laughs) that you brought it up because in case anyone's only getting their news about Brooklyn Nine-Nine from us, now you have the latest. (laughs) It is coming back. Yeah. But beyond that update, I don't have any other pop culture recommendations this week. Yeah. I'm also, I also forgot that Alan Seppenwall had done a run of recaps for Freaks and Geeks. So yes. now I, I, today at work, I said, oh God, it was bad. I was like, I could do this literally all day and you have to close that tab because you won't get any work done if you keep doing this. <laughs> but his recaps are great. Ugh. All your procrastination secrets. I know. Don't tell anyone. Okay. So what team are you on this week? I think I'm going to be team gun. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> We can both be on the same team. <laughs> I was totally gonna go team Gun just because like he that earned it. Where he like just he doesn't even really hesitate. He just stakes his sister. Yeah, and it's a great intro. He's got so. a lot to grapple with still. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Team I'm rooting gun. for you, Gun. Yeah. Stole right. it first. I shouldn't ask you next time. I'm just yeah. Say exactly. It. Just say it. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, have a great time traveling. Thank you. Have fun for the rest of your time in Boston. Yeah. Um, even though I'm doing things that. Have fun eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I'm doing things that you would hate, but just one of those things that oh, yeah. you would really enjoy. Yeah. I'd get up um, early for cake, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I could well, be convinced we're, we're to making, watch a royal wedding if it was to yeah. eat cake. <laughs> we're also making the um, milk bar birthday cake. Oh, I love that cake. Yeah. <gasps> That's super good. Um, Claire also made some of the um, like birthday crunch stuff mm. into the cookies that you make with it too and I had one for dinner to, or before dinner today. <laughs> it was essentially like pre-dinner yeah um it's so good <laughs> yeah apparently her dog also really likes them that's funny <laughs> so oh man um okay okay well, I will actually going <laughs> next time bye all right bye once more with commentary is produced by me Allie and me Ginny our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder and our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney you can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at OMWC Podcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.